0: Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and oh, our cool. typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols.
1: Hey there, folks! Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show! It's convention weekend! said every libertarian from their basements, because, yes, it's a virtual convention, and, uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Good luck, uh, Chairman Sarwark with the, uh, the... <laughs> he runs a great meeting, so we'll see how great his Zoom meeting goes. Uh, but yes, best of luck. I, okay, I'm obviously teasing, and, and I'm, I'm being, in all sincerity, best of luck to all candidates going forward. Actually... I will start with this. And, and before we get rocking and rolling, because I know a lot of you guys are here for Bill Ottman from Minds.com, and, and I'll get there, I promise, because it is a fantastic uh, conversation. But I think I need to discuss the elephant in the room, uh, which had not taken place really since uh, before. Well, I, I mean, it just happened really with the anti-taxation of Steph Berman when he's on the show. But Justin Amash, who it seemed like for a week he was going to be pretty much the anointed one. And I mean, I, I'm i going to raise my hand right here. And I said, you know, I was pretty much. I was all but, you know, checking the boxes saying Amash 2020. I was pretty much there. I mean, heck, I did a debate in favor of Justin Amash being, quote unquote, a great candidate for the Libertarian Party. So with that being said, I've been asked a lot of questions, both, you know, behind the scenes, but on social media. So I want to quickly address my thoughts on what's going forward uh, with the candidates that are left. And I'm going to say, honestly, the Libertarian Party did, yes, have a great opportunity with someone like Justin Amash with that being said, we still have a great opportunity, and I'm, I'm pretty much back into the mindset I was, <laughs> essentially, prior to a week ago, uh, before Justin announced, um, now granted, I kind of knew behind the scenes that things were happening, but at the same point in time, I was like, is he, is he not, um, and I was, you know, leaning towards the likes of candidates such as Jacob Hornberger, or, um, you know, obviously, folks like Joe Jorgensen, or folks like, I'll just say it, I'm gonna say it, okay, Vermin Supreme, I'm, Time, I know, I literally, <laughs> so you're going to be hearing an interview coming up in a couple of uh, days from an uh, interview with Logan Chipkin and I. And actually, it's funny because the conversation was really Amash v. Hornberger. And I made a joke saying, we don't want to have the candidate on the, the side of the street with a blowhorn screaming because it's just going to turn people off. And, you know, I think I've started to change my mind on that. And I, I, I'm going to just start off by saying it's okay to change your mind when you are presented with different facts or just facts that weren't at your disposal. Now, this wasn't so much facts that weren't at my disposal, but rather kind of a taking a step back and reevaluating where we are, number one, as a country, um, but also reevaluating where we are as a party, um, and also where we are as a world. And I look across the world, and I see opportunities present themselves in the funniest of ways. So, for example, you look in the United Kingdom, and really, I mean, he was the Trump of the UK, and that was Boris Johnson, sneaks in this past summer to become prime minister in an election that it was seemingly not going to go his his way. In Ukraine, you have quite literally a stand-up comedian run for the office as a joke for prime minister and wins. Wins. He won the role of prime minister in the Ukraine, okay? Like, just, just think about that for a second. A stand-up comedian, I mean, that'd be like Dave Smith running for, for president and, and winning, which, okay, but look at Vermin Supreme, and, I, and I'm saying this completely serious, Vermin now number, number one, Vermin's media team has been absolutely phenomenal, I'm just gonna say that, his media team has been out of this world, Um, they have been producing amazing content, I mean, I, I showed my wife a video from Vermin last night, and it, it is one of those videos that you're like, alright, like, I get it, like, I get why there is an appeal and I mean, folks like Nick Gillespie retweeting um, Vermin Supreme's ads. I mean, that's that's speaking to me, saying, okay, maybe there's something here that I didn't see before. And you know, hearing Vermin Supreme's interview with uh, with Chris Spangle, and it's really giving me more insight into who Vermin Supreme was um, and is as not only the, the candidate, the caricature, but as really the, the the person. And to hear both sides and to see, yes, he is the caricature, the, the ponies and toothbrush. But I mean. <laughs> I say this kind of half-heartedly, but he's taking it seriously this time. So I'm going to say right now, honestly, that the Libertarian Party is going to be in good hands, um, regardless of of who ends up with the nomination. And and looking at the candidates that are are running, I do feel confident that we will have someone at the head of the ticket that will be able to convey a libertarian message in a way that number one is easy for people to understand, but also we'll we'll hope hopefully change people's hearts and minds, and that's going to be the main thing, and that's honestly a lot of what the debate was between Justin Amash versus the other candidates is who is going to really change hearts and minds for the long haul, and looking at the candidates, I mean, yes, I think somebody like a Jacob Hornberger could easily convey those messages of, of liberty better than most of the other candidates just because he, I mean, he, he's basically a scholar, I mean, this is kind of his realm, right, being a teacher, teaching people, um, so he has that that role. But then you have folks like like Vermin, who he, he does have the ability to captivate people's attention. And that cannot, cannot be understated, especially in where we are as a society. I mean, people are looking at both the left and the right. They're they're pissed off. They're looking for alternatives. And a lot of people are throwing their hands up and saying this entire thing is a joke. And it kind of is. I mean, the, the catchphrase for the We Libertarians Network has been uh, giving politics all the irreverence it deserves. It's true. It, it, politics has become a, a really a, a laughing stock because it's no longer about the ideas, but more so the celebrity. It's more about you know what's going to get you elected versus doing the right thing. What's going to get you more power versus representing your constituents? And yes, we have a few good folks in Congress, like Justin Amash. Yes, and Congressman Thomas Massey, Rand Paul, Mike Lee. Yes, we have them in Congress, but they're 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 in the minority, and it's it's an opportunity for us right now to present somebody to be that alternative. So going to the convention, if if you're a delegate and you're listening, I know you are a delegate out there listening, because I know there's lots of you who do listen, but if you're actually looking for some guidance, because I've been trying to decide what I would want to do, I'm going to say, go with your gut. Do you want somebody who's going to be as principled as they come, and they're going to be a great teacher? Do you want somebody who's going to be a great marketer and getting a lot of attention? Do you want somebody who's going to be empathetic? And maybe we'll, we'll bring more people in who are looking for a, a comforting sense that their vote will go to somebody who's a good person. Look at the options. You have tons. But I'm going to say right now, I think my final three, if I had to, to rank, I, I can't really give a one, two, three, but I will I will give you my final three if it helps narrow down a consideration. I think uh, Jacob Hornberger, Joe Jorgensen, and yes, Vermin Supreme are, are the final three candidates in my eyes who would be the, the best faces for the Libertarian Party going forward. And I say that having had great conversations with, with quite literally, you know, a dozen or so of these Libertarian presidential candidates. And and honestly, all the candidates could could run as a Libertarian candidate and do a great job. I mean, Dan Taxation as Theft Berman, he would do phenomenal as the face of the party. Having someone like Serene Leanu, who is as is, is kind and as compassionate as they come, would be a great person to be the face of the party. But I mean, if we're looking for a chance right now to really present a true alternative, I think... Uh, Dr. Jorgensen, uh, Jacob Hornberger, and then obviously Vermin uh, Supreme are, are the uh, somewhere Hody Johns is smiling. Uh, but those really are going to be in my top, the, the the top three for the final three as we head towards the end of the, uh, the the nomination process here for the Libertarian Party. So take that for what it's worth. Now, going forward, what's next? Bill Ottman here on the Brian Eccles. I know everybody here is like, I heard Bill Oppen was on the show. <laughs> They're probably just like, where's the fast forward button? I'm going to put in the note in the show notes, folks. If you, if you want to go right to the interview with Bill, um, I will put a link. So make sure you just go ahead and click that. Um, which of course it's too late now. So I'll put that in the show notes to start off <laughs> so folks can see that. Um, but going forward to the interview. And yes, it is with, uh, minds.com CEO Bill Ottman. Now I, I had Bill on the show and, I I didn't want to be like that guy saying, let's talk about your social media platform because Bill's been on a great uh, number of shows before. I mean, most notably the the number one podcast in the nation. And that is uh, the nation, the world, the universe, Joe Rogan. Um, And, you know, to have Bill on the show discussing his platform, but also to kind of dig deeper into, you know, the nitty gritty tech stuff that, I mean, I work in tech, right? So my day job is in, in telecom, but to really go in the behind the scenes, talking about how you know we have an opportunity right now right as not only libertarians but proponents of the free market to start looking for alternatives that are out there so having folks like Bill um, who are who really they're fighting the good fight and they're they're putting their money where our mouths are um, and they're helping actually build the things that we have been talking about here you know, as libertarians but also proponents yes of the free market in response to a lot of these government you know overreaches but also corporate overreaches like Facebook Twitter I mean heck you guys know Remzo Martinez. Uh, he's been on the show, and he's actually joining the network on the run with Remzo Martinez coming out here. Actually, I think it just started. I'm going to put a link there for uh, for Rem's new, uh, Remzo's new show. But Remzo's joined the show a million times, discussing not only his his experiences being, uh, you know, facing the ban hammer on Facebook and Twitter, but you know, yours truly. I I had my my Facebook page suspended for a month for for posting a meme about a gun. Like that that's true. Like that that happened. So just know for a fact that we have alternatives out there, and a lot of them are, are yes, people who are not only our ideological um, friends and allies, but also people who do um, see what the government's doing, but also these big corporations, and gets weary, and is, is really going out of their way to give us alternatives, so I know it's been a lot of uh, talking there, uh, and usually I don't do that too, uh, you know, at the beginning of the episodes, so I had a lot to say though, so Fingers crossed! You guys stuck with me, and you're you're ready for a phenomenal conversation with CEO Minds.com, Bill Ottman. So, onto the show, Bill Ottman here on the Brian Nichols Show. Hey,
2: hey, thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely, thanks for joining, Bill, and. Uh, you, sir, I, I'm so glad I was reached out to you by uh, your your associate, Zach, because um, I actually I've had the chance to hear you in a couple podcasts. Actually, I think I, think I first heard you on a uh, Dear Leader over at the big channel, Chris Spangles show, We Are Libertarians. Um, but then, you know, most probably notably in your career, uh, appearing on, on Joe Rogan, which um, was a fa- fantastic interview and a great conversation. Um, so to have you on the show, number one, is a fantastic opportunity, I think, for my audience to get to know you, um, but also get to know the work you're doing as it pertains, especially to um, respecting uh, First Amendment rights um, when it looks at social media. So first and foremost, Bill, let's kind of introduce yourself to the audience and kind of tell maybe your, your Liberty story, if you will.
2: Cool. I mean, I, yeah, I think that gives a pretty good overview of what I've been up to, but I mean, my Liberty story is mostly about, you know, in the terms of Liberty, in terms of code software, the internet is what I've been focused on for the past decade. Really? I mean, I've always had a a freedom bend, not necessarily left or right leaning, but, you know, freedom. I think that that, that's what I would come down on. Mm -hmm. And then as it pertains to digital rights and liberties, um, basically, it's it's all about transparency, privacy um, and self-sovereignty with regards to your data your money your you know access to understand the apps that you're interacting with so you know Facebook Google all the rest of them are manipulating algorithms showing you content in your feed when you look at it every day and it's like well why are you seeing that there's no way to know they won't show you so so they're also spying on you in order to serve you to all these different things. We don't know what they're doing. So these apps <laughs> are invading your rights. And that's why we're trying to build an alternative. And, you know, not to mention just the, the limitation of discourse that is happening on these platforms is, is really a travesty and a huge violation of, I mean, I would even say human rights. So. That's probably a good place to start.
1: Okay, gotcha. Well, I was going to say, well, with Minds.com, right? I mean, you are really the, the, I'd say, what, only alternative to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I know Gab had its moment there, and it's kind of, it's established itself, and unfortunately, I I, I see a lot more of, like, the alt-right kind of folk kind of gravitating more towards Gab, whereas you've kind of taken this this opportunity to be more of an open kind of just open source content platform if you will for for anybody and and that's I think a very welcome addition to the uh, the social media sphere because I mean really people are looking for that alternative and you see especially on the right a lot of people pushing for you know the uh, the the government in reaching out and, and trying to curtail uh, what social media companies can do in terms of um, you know who's on their platforms or not and and you're kind of taking the alternative approach instead of you know saying hey we're gonna ban people you're saying hey you know we're gonna be an open source platform and so long as it's not you know going directly against you know and not violating somebody's rights, you know then it's it's fair game Is that fair to say?
2: yeah, absolutely, and we've done a lot to prevent polarization and prevent people from being able to over associate us with one political ideology or another. I think that there's probably more of a libertarian bend in most of our user base but actually our initial growth surge was like largely progressives and we do have a bunch of progressives and you know there's an interesting synchronization between you know freedom minded people on all sides of the political spectrum so we're definitely noticing that and i mean there are other alternatives out there i don't think that we're alone i agree with you that i think you know gab is gone down the path of polarization, you know, that they're unashamed. They're conservative. Right, that's yeah. what they're doing. That's they're, their stick. Yeah. That's their stick. And that's okay. They have that right and that's fine. There, there are some other cool alternative uh, frameworks like um, Diaspora, Mastodon. Um, there's one really cool one called Scuttlebutt, which is a little bit more for like techies, but it's very decentralized. And you know, actually, even more so than we are, it's it's a little bit, it's more inaccessible. And you know, Mastodon has some censorship issues, even though they are they are open source. Like a lot of their their major nodes, um, and for instance, they banned Gab um, when Gab joined the what's called the Fediverse, which is basically all these social nodes that can talk to each other. Um, <laughs> like a bunch of the biggest Mastodon nodes banned Gab which, you know, is, is unfortunate. I, I, I don't agree with it, but I also, you know, when you look at how Gab, they basically tried to co-opt the tech that, you know, they took open source tech right. and yep. came in, came in like, Hey, you know, we're taking over here as opposed to trying to create some sort of resonance and synergy with, that community so i don't think that their attitude really helped them in in terms of that but i mean we're de- we're actually researching um there's a protocol called activity pub which is what diaspora and mastodon use to basically allow cross-posting between the nodes and we're at we're, we're going to be implementing that this year and we're also looking at some other um frameworks so that you know There's more decentralization, more uncensorability uh, and just more of like a peer to peer infrastructure.
1: It's, it's awesome that you are, you're meeting this, this demand that's been really in the market for quite a while. I mean, if we're going to be really honest here, I mean, people have been looking for this, you know, this social media alternative and, and you are setting the, the stage for that alternative to really, you know, not only exist, but to grow. And, and not only are we seeing this in terms of how people are looking at their social media, but just in their media in general, they're looking for alternatives. And, you know, here you and I are on, you know, a, a podcast right now and, you know, you're, you're in Connecticut, myself being down in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, to to be able to do what we're doing is, is through the, um, the the beauty of the marketplace, right? You know, I work in telecom, you know, the innovations in the marketplace creating opportunities like this. Um, but then you go to the media and, you know, the media would, would want nothing more than to see what we're doing shut down because we are really a, sadly right now in a medium like this, we're really their only competition because they've really established themselves as, you know, the, the, the corporate press, but they're not really doing a lot of media. So, you know, they've all kind of come to this silent agreement that they're just going to keep looking for ratings. Whereas, you know, people, you know in in the podcasting sphere especially are the people who are going out of their way and and reaching people and and having these you know long thought out conversations that aren't being allowed on television so you know obviously your work bill when you're you know working in social media and, and building a platform like mine's i'm sure hat you know it gives you some sort of a perspective when you look at something like the traditional media trying to censor these different forms of communication so you know, based basing your experience in tech kind of speak to um the the approach that the traditional media has taken in going after um these these alternative uh, forms of competition?
2: I don't think that there is a really clear anti-alternative stance, you know, necessarily. I mean, for instance, I got invited on Tucker Carlson and, you know, their mainstream media uh, definitely like, you know, I think that his show sort of stands out uh, as a little bit more, Open-minded than than most shows. He's but like
1: the exception to the rule, almost.
2: Yeah, yeah, he is. But you know, we've snuck in to you know, like the new. We got, actually got favorable coverage in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, even uh, you know, we we got a, a good mention in the New York Times, which it just as easily could have been you know coming after us for our First Amendment policy, depending on who the writer is. <laughs> right. So you know, I think that. That's it's a multi-headed beast, and you know I think maybe some of the heads don't necessarily agree with each other, even though you know the overall agenda is pretty clear. You know there is some infighting in these ma- these big mainstream networks, um, but I mean, oh my gosh, did you see the uh, the CBS thing today?
1: Oh, with the, oh my gosh, yeah. So basically, <laughs> oh, film yeah. You you want to fill in the gaps?
2: Uh, I don't know too much about it, but I I watched uh, a couple of the videos. Yeah, basically, there was a staged COVID-19 testing area. And basically, CBS admitted that it was staged. So Project Veritas uh, had a a whistleblower on this come on their show. And uh, I think they were from CBS. Yeah, I believe so. And... Yeah, so they they blew the whistle on that and had evidence that CBS had coordinated basically fake people to line up in their cars to get these tests and make it look like there there was this event happening or like a, a big backup and. It, I, that's all I know. Can you add anything?
1: Well, it, from what I've gathered, you, you mentioned CBS did acknowledge um, that 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 did happen, but they were saying that it wasn't anything that they did. But they were they're basically oh. they're saying it was the the healthcare, um, you know, the actual people in charge that were just trying to you Cherry know, help Hill, them. yeah, over in Cherry Hill, exactly correct. And, and but, I mean, go, go ahead. But then
2: Cherry Hill denied as well.
1: Yes, correct. So it's just finger pointing back and forth right now. <laughs> of, of course, yeah. and of course, right now. I mean, what more? What more damning evidence do you need right now against the media? On top of just the over, you know, just the distrust that people have. I mean, people across the, especially on the right, and I, I I hate generalizations, but I mean, the the right has at least been awake to the blatant disregard for the the you know the truth in the media. Um, you know, to quote Michael Malice, the, the corporate press is often factual, rarely truthful. And and that's why so many people on the right have have been so you know just weary of anything that comes as a narrative from the, the, the left and from the media to, you know, by, by I repeat myself um, because they, they do see a history. I mean, you look at the, the Jussie Smellett case, you look at the Christian Covington kids case, you look at the, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings. I mean, there is, is example after example, after example of, I mean, blatant, absolutely, without a doubt, blatant media malpractice. And, and then they see the media in how they present the COVID-19 um, pandemic. And and I think, understandably and and rightfully so, people you know their red flags go up because they're not only seeing governors in their respective states taking a more authoritarian approach to dealing with this in certain areas, but that the media is championing it. And any governor that is even considering lifting some of these restrictions from the the lockdowns, they're they're being completely lambasted. That's the narrative that's being promoted. So I think people are naturally curious, and then to get you know J- James O'Keefe, who's been doing work at Project Veritas for years now, and uh, to get a, a you know a, a person from CBS to come on his show as a whistleblower and, and and blow this thing and show exactly what happened, you know, and that just it, it just re- re- you know resonates with people saying, "See, this is what we're talking about." But sadly, Bill, I feel that people on the left are are just going to ignore this. So how do we maybe? turn this conversation away from just, you know, having, I won't say an echo chamber conversation, but that really was what it comes down to us on the right, but actually reach to people on the left and say, listen, partisanship be damned. as you have over at Minds, we need to have a real talk about what the media is doing and how they present, you know, what, what is the news. And, and, you know, it, I think it starts with acknowledging first and foremost, that there is a problem in the news or, or am I on the right path there? Or?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate you honing in on that. I mean, You just, but look at what happened to Chris Hayes when he brought up the Biden allegations. I mean, he just got totally attacked. But that's sort of what I'm talking about in regards to, you know, I I think that Chris Hayes is is guilty of, of the polarization, you know, as much, if not more than most. But the fact that he was willing to break the mold, correct, yeah. Even to a certain degree shows that. You know, it's just very, it's a microcosm of the bigger situation, like that that one instance of of breaking from the narrative and, and you know, how, how hard he got attacked for it. So um, I don't really know what the solution is, but because they're doubling down because now uh, I'm just, I, all I did was search Chris Hayes and now he's attacking Tucker for coronavirus trutherism, which is like... <laughs> this absurd phrase and YouTube is taking down anything that is going against like CDC, WHO, which is just unbelievable. Because, you know, while okay, there's certainly valid data from the CDC, and I think it is it is an authoritative source, but it's not the only legitimate idea and even if there are conspiracies about any issue as long as they're lawful they should have the ability to exist on the internet um that's just undisputed i mean even for just entertainment value like right it's 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 ridiculous like there's this perception that you can't scroll by bs without adopting it as your ideology. Like if you're walking down the street and you see someone preaching on a street corner, whether it's about the apocalypse or trying to sell, you know, snake oil or whatever it is, um, you walk by and you laugh or you're weirded out or whatever, but you're not like, Oh my God, I'm suddenly indoctrinated by this crazy person. Now, I'm not saying that digital and physical worlds are exactly the same, and it probably is a little bit easier to be corrupted by information that you're seeing in a news feed. Um, but it's just very strange that people—I mean—the these networks are, are are taking this stance, especially when they grew based on having all of this information there so you know facebook youtube twitter they were all preaching free speech in the beginning they got everybody there they let all everyone go wild it was you know it, it was much better back in those days right and now they've drifted from it and it's sort of being taken over by more establishment institutions And they're causing their own self-destruction. So, you know, part of me is like, keep going, guys. Have fun.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you see, I mean, heck, I used to go to my YouTube page and, you know, my homepage would be filled with, you know, my my feed was uh my subscriptions but also um you know the, the the news was was diversified and that was nice but now whenever i go to like you know the news setting on on the homepage i mean all i see is blue check marks and it's like that's the whole point of youtube like i don't go to youtube to watch the thing that i can go and watch on tv and i i i don't i don't see where the maybe the the, the folks in that traditional media are are missing that like they're they're trying to make youtube something that it's it not only is it not but it was never intended to be and i mean thankfully it does open the door for alternatives out there like i mean what you're doing over at mines to exist um but at the same point in time you know it still is is causing a a short-term harm because now you know the the companies that have this this large large market share they're now basically pushing content creators to the side who otherwise would be, you know, probably, you know, on those, those front pages because now they are being taken over by the blue check marks. So, how how do we get the the social media sphere to maybe start to resonate more towards companies like Minds or you know name the the other alternative company out there um, to to start sourcing their information instead of you know relying on what has really become a, a sense of convenience with the old you know traditional media being that of the the Googles the YouTubes the Facebooks the Twitters and so forth.
2: Yeah, I mean it is it is sad because there's a lot of redundancy. I mean, you know, if I've said this for a while, if Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or anyone would just go open source, stop spying on people and, you know, ad- adopt a more first amendment based approach, like they would they would win. They would long term become, you know, the network So that would be a very smart decision. I mean, I'm literally giving them, (laughs) it's not that complicated. (laughs) It's like, yeah, take the idea, go and do it. That's better for the world. I want them to, you know, release their algorithms and, you know, be transparent and, you know, pay people more and and all of these things. But they're just not going to, there's all sorts of reasons that they probably can't do that. Um, You know, they would also expose all of the, shadow banning and you know algorithm manipulation they've been doing so um yeah it's just you know youtube it's youtube and now it's not youtube it's them tube or it 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 switched and that's just so sad because youtube has been an incredible source of information you know i i'm not gonna act like i don't watch youtube videos i i still do but um and i i want to communicate with them to convince them to change their ways but you have to diversify you have to look for alternative information in order to be able to make informed decisions you have to have access to the most information possible so you know even though you know they say oh misinformation is causing all this harm. And I'm not saying that it doesn't cause any harm. It can cause harm. And there is a lot of BS out there, but not having access and the ability to think for yourself and decide for yourself and sift through all of the madness yourself. Right. That is more dangerous.
1: It, well, it's more dangerous, but at the same point in time, I think we've almost gotten to the point as a society where we need a little bit of that danger back. Oh wait, like,
2: I think I might, I might, I might've said that backwards. It's it's more dangerous not to have access.
1: Okay, yeah, well, correct, yeah, yeah. It, well, it, I would say I say it's both right. It's dangerous not to have the access, but also having the access is dangerous in its own regards because yes, you could you know stumble upon misinformation and then right. you know you're you're a four chan troll, before you know it. But at the same point in time, I think. We as a society need to kind of like let a little bit of danger back into our lives because we've become we've become so passive not only in not in how we live our lives but in terms of just like abdicating any type of responsibility. Like I, I mean, you look at your average person and you ask them, you know, who's the the speaker of the house, and they're not gonna know it's Nancy Pelosi. Like they they not only would not know it's Nancy Pelosi, but if you were to tell them afterwards it's Nancy Pelosi, they would still say who's that, and that's a problem because I mean. Chances are they probably did vote. Like, and if they didn't, I mean, okay. But there's, there's still like, there's so much apathy out there that we are now being controlled as a, as an entire nation of 330 plus million people. We are now being controlled by, I would dare say, what 40, 35 percent of the entire population overall. Like, that's that's horrifying because there's not only a majority but like i would say almost like a, a supermajority of americans who just aren't having their opinions represented but it is because we've grown so apathetic because the government basically has has started to take care of everything and it's it's ironic cuz i see a lot of conservatives who have been pushing for the government to take to, you know take control of the social media um you know biases you know facebook shouldn't be allowed to go ahead and cancel alex jones Okay, but you're saying that the government should stop Facebook from from allowing Alex Jones to have a platform, but Facebook's a private company? So, like, doesn't that set a scary precedence? And I don't yeah, know where yeah. that cognitive dissonance is.
2: it's either or. I mean, right. I think that, yeah, the private company should be able to do what they want to do. But what Facebook more so did, I think, is a case of false advertising. Yes, 100%. So, because they brought everybody in under the perception that it was an open public forum and that you were going to be able to reach your fans and your friends, but then they completely, basically reversed the product. Yep, and took away what people spent money on on creating. So, and that's the argument, you know,
1: right? That that's yeah. the argument people should make versus like this oh controlling bias. It's like no, they 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 defrauded their users. They they basically did a bait and switch.
2: Right. But at the same time, I think that there's also validity. I mean, look, there's validity to if you want to start off and say, listen, this is a curated network. This is what you're going to get. You know, be consistent with it. You should have every right to curate however much you want to curate. But then you start getting into more of being a publisher. So and you start to, you know, it, it gets it gets hazy. So, you know, that's why I think transparency of the algorithms is is actually really important so that at least we know what we're dealing with. And yeah, I, I get worried about overreach and, you know, the regulators, it, it, they don't likely know the best solution and, you know, just breaking it up is not going to have the same effect that it might have in the past. Like you, you, right. it, it, it's like, I don't what, What's the science fiction creatures that you like? It's like a Terminator, like T-1000 <laughs> type thing. Like it just will find its way back into form.
1: Right. It always does.
2: Broken. Yeah. So that, that, but because the code is still their code. And they're still going to know how to manipulate people. So, you know, that is what has to change. But getting regulators to understand algorithms is just not... Easy.
1: (laughs) Well, it it shouldn't be the role of the regulators really to have to do that, right? Because I mean, one look no further than what we've seen in response to the COVID-19 pandemic from the regulators that are already in place. And I mean my audience, they're probably just groaning right now because I've talked about this so much over the past two months. But like, I mean honestly, for, for all folks who are, you know, proponents of liberty, like this is a perfect case study of how number one, government regulations can cause negative, um, uh, negative consequences that are completely unintended, but still very real. With, oh. and, and, but it, it doesn't matter what the intention of said regulation was. It, it matters of what the outcome was. So now we can we can have a tangible, empirical, you know, evidence. We have data where we can pull from and show exactly what the the cost was in the COVID nineteen pandemic, and the, that cost is the cost of government. And I think we need to be able to articulate that argument when then we we start talking about the speech issue and you know the more that we've seen government step its toes in any direction in terms of trying to regulate more and more and more we've seen uh, not only inefficiencies in that regulatory process but ultimately it, it ends up har- uh, causing more harm than it was supposed to um, you know in the first place when it was supposed to in the end cause good
2: right there is there has been one uh bill introduced, which was intended to mandate free speech policy, which is potentially useful. Because if the government said, listen, you're not going to be just don't, this isn't your problem. Just, you know, do your thing, but you're not going to be banning on one side or the other. You know Facebook just rolled out this quote unquote Supreme Court which is BS because it's really just pushing off blame on the bad decisions to this new authoritative body which is like judges and lawyers and <laughs> a bunch of people like that but th- th- their mandate is to enforce the the still horrible Facebook policy it's they're not actually changing the Facebook policy so F- facebook saying oh now we have this independent body reviewing the appeals But it still is is rotten because, you know, their policy is rotten and their policy is just not intelligent. We took the other approach. We have a First Amendment based policy and we have a community jury for if we make a mistake in the initial report decision, if a user thinks, hey, you know, you guys messed up. Uh, then it goes to a randomized jury of 12 active mm, users gotcha. to you know keep us in check. So we built that to keep ourselves in check. We may roll that out to the initial decision layer once we feel like you know it's working well enough. That's where we want to move things. But again, the mandate is always to enforce the First Amendment-based policy, not this ridiculous policy that no one even knows what it is.
1: Bill Ottman, thank goodness there are guys like you out there who are leading the charge to keep the speech free and you're doing the right thing by uh, by giving us alternatives in the marketplace when we so desperately need them. So with that being said, where can folks go ahead and uh, find minds but also where can folks go ahead and follow you if they're interested in learning more about Bill Ottman?
2: Find me mindscom Ottman and you'll I'm sure stumble upon all sorts of other interesting things.
1: Awesome, and I'll make sure I include all links in the show notes. Bill Ottman, thank you for joining The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks, Brian. All right, folks, so that's going to wrap up my conversation with Minds.com CEO Bill Ottman. I hope you guys enjoyed the show as much as I did, and if you did, well, make sure, number one, you smash that subscribe button over on whatever you're using to, uh, to get your, your podcast delivered. But you know what? I'm going to give an unpaid sponsorship to a, a phenomenal app that I use that has been targeted by Google Play in recent weeks, and that is one Podcast Addict. I love Podcast Addict. I have been using them quite literally for half a decade at this point. Um, they are a phenomenal podcasting app, and uh, they actually were under fire because they were hosting podcasts that were talking about non-sanctioned FDA, CDC, uh, was it the, the World Health Organization guidelines on COVID? So they got the ban hammer from the Google Play Store. And uh, yeah, I'm like, that's not cool. Because number one, I freaking love Podcast Addict. But number two, it's literally one guy who has been building this phenomenal empire at Podcast Addict, making a great product, mind you. And just like that, Google decides, eh, no, we don't like you anymore. And they they went ahead and they, uh, they banned them from the Google Play Store. Now, some good news. It, yes, okay, there is some good news. They have been since reinstated to the Google Play Store, but I want to send a message. So if you are a Brian Nichols Show subscriber, here's what I want you to do. Go over to Google Play, subscribe the Podcast Addict, and if you could, send an email to the, the support email to Podcast Act saying, hey, I'm here to support you, Brian Nichols sent me your way, keep up the great work. That would mean a lot to me, and it shows folks... Over at Podcast Addict, I say folks, it's the uh, the one gentleman there who's a lead in the charge. But it shows other folks out there that, yes, we are aware of what's going on by these big tech companies. And we are not going to stand for it. And we are going to go out of our way to support those who are supporting us. And I say us, those of us who are, yes, going ahead and giving alternative opinions to uh, the mainstream media that are out there. The corporate media, the corporate press, as Michael Malice likes to uh, rightfully say. So that being said, folks, go ahead and follow me over on social media. Yes, Facebook, Twitter, and as discussed today, Minds.com. You can follow me over there at B Liberty and look for that nice blue check mark verified on Minds. Um, and also, folks, if you want to get in touch with me personally, any ideas for the show or guests that you've been wanting to hear on The Brian Nichols Show, or hey, if you have a guest that would be a great addition to the show, send me an email introducing me to them, brian at briannicholsshow.com. And again, folks, Apple Podcasts. If you could go over there, give us a five-star rating and review. That's where all the the podcast reviews are pretty much, uh, they're catch, they're caught. What's the word? They're caught. They're secure. They're housed in that area. Um, Anyways, five stars is always a great thing. Um, But also to get that five-star review, Again, that's how we reach more people, and that's how we spread the message of liberty. So, that being said, folks, it was an absolute blast. If you enjoyed today's show, share it with family and friends. But with that being said, I'm tired of talking. Brian Nichols signing off here in The Brian Nichols Show for Bill Ottman from Minds.com. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at BrianNicholsShow.com.
1: Hey there, folks, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and yes, you are in store for another fun-filled episode with, yes, of course, another phenomenal guest here on The Brian Nichols Show, and I'm your humble host, Brian Nichols, and this week I am joined by the one and only President of the United States, Donald John Trump. Now, Brian! Hello? Brian!
0: Brian, it's Trump's up. Remzo, is in Remzo Martinez? Yes, it's Remzo W. Martinez. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm I'm in the car, I'm driving out of the country, going to Canada. Listen, there's a bag in your trunk of your car. I need you to go there in a few minutes. Don't look in the bag, don't think of the bag, don't touch the bag, I just need you to go ahead and drop it to an undisclosed location I'm gonna be texting you. Uh, w-
1: uh, Well, it's a not a good time, Remzo, I'm actually getting on the president right now, like literally, as I'm talking to you. Yes,
0: lives at stake, Brian, and the only way you're gonna have to learn about this later is through my upcoming show, On the Run with Remso W. Martinez. (laughs) This isn't a pitch, Brian. Stop laughing. (laughs) So on a serious note, for years I asked myself, do I need to go ahead and get into politics to go ahead and ensure my freedom? Do I need to depend on some politician to go ahead and be my own personal messiah and make me a freer person? Then I figured out that that wasn't the case. Okay, maybe I need to go find somebody else. Somebody has to know. But wait a second. There is a path to freedom, and it's in your hands. Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, journalist, best-selling author, filmmaker. And I went about and I asked myself this question. How do I achieve actual freedom in my lifetime? I'm happy to let you know that I've joined the We Are Libertarians network of podcasts. And with my new show, On the Run with Remso W. Martinez, I'm going to ask and answer all these questions about how to obtain true individual liberty and independence in your lifetime we're going to be talking about spiritual freedom financial freedom how to go ahead and live a radical lifestyle where you don't have to depend on anyone for anything disruptive technologies it's going to be a show like we've never done before leave the politics at home let's get to the real answers to help you obtain freedom in your lifetime check out on the run with Remso W. Martinez at WeAreLibertarians.com and please go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitchers, wherever podcasts are, you know how the internet works and I'll talk to you later.